Yeah, so tonight our emphasis has been um, the gospel, obviously, right? We, we've been singing songs, the glorious day. Oh, praise the name that literally declares the, the, the gospel story of Jesus, right? And uh, so we've been thinking and meditating and talking about, singing about the gospel. Um, we've been singing about what Jesus has accomplished for us. What he has done for me. And so I want to talk to you about that tonight. Can you guys say for me? Oh my goodness, everybody's sleeping. How do we sing glorious day? And that's like, that's the energy we got in this room. Can we all say for me? Can we say for me to share? Does anybody like to share in this room? Really? You like to share? I'll tell you what. Um... I don't mind sharing, but one of the things that I, like, really struggle with, and Avery, I'm sorry, but I really struggle with sharing food. Um, I really do. It's a struggle. I love food. And I really struggled talking about this tonight because if you remember, you probably, I don't know, whatever. Um, during Easter time, my illustration had to do with food. Um, so I really struggled with this tonight because I was like, man, I'm starting a pattern here. I'm going to have to talk about food every time I preach. Um, but it's fine. Anyways. I have uh, really struggled with sharing over the years, and uh, if you know anything about me, I love soccer, I love playing soccer, I love watching soccer, uh, all my life I've played soccer, I'm not saying I'm very good, but I love playing it, um, so I got to play all my life, all the way through college, and so when I was at Davis College, I was on the soccer team there, and um, down in Binghamton, <clears throat> I should have brought myself water, it's fine, down in Binghamton, my aunt actually lives there as well, my Aunt Sherry, good old Aunt Sherry, um, she loves me very much. She, that's why Nate, that, can we hear it for Nate? Come on, man. Thanks, bro. Um, she loves me very much. Uh, she's very outspoken about how much she loves me. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Um, but it's awesome. And so she loves me very much. And so anytime I had a home game, she always made sure that she was there. Um, and so my senior year of college, uh, we had a home game against Word of Life, um, which Kind of became our rivals, which is kind of funny now because Davis is at Word of Life. Um, that's neither here or there. Um, but anyways, and so my Aunt Sherry, she, was, she came to this soccer game. She said, Elijah, I'm going to come. My uncle, my uncle John was going to come. And he, she also loved to bake cookies. And if you know anything else about me, like I just said, I love food. I especially love cookies. And so she said, I'm going to come to your soccer game. I'm going to bring you a big old pan of cookies. What kind of cookies do you want? And my favorite cookies, I told her, I said, Aunt Sherry, you know those peanut butter cookies you make with the little Hershey Kisses in the middle? There's probably a real-life name for them, but whatever. Um, Can you make me those? And she's like, yeah, I got you. She said, I'll make you a big old pan of those. Um, But this was was the catch. This was the catch. I really struggled with this. She said, I'll make make these cookies for you, but you have to share them with with your boys, the soccer team. I was like, "Uh, sure, yeah, I'll do that. Um, that's great. And so she showed up to the soccer game, brought these cookies. They were delicious. Um, put them in my car, went back to the, to the dorm room, and um, went to my dorm room, and I had some cookies and didn't tell anybody else. My Aunt Sherry made me cookies, and I didn't share them. Um, I think I ate them all. I didn't eat them all in one sitting, all right? Don't think I'm like a glutton or something, but I, I ate them all by myself. I didn't share. And, uh, and so my bros, my boys, they found out about this, and they were just distraught. They were like, how could you, bro? It's rough out here in the streets. Being a college student, you got free food, and you're not trying to share with me? They were, they were upset. And then my Aunt Sherry found out. 
And I thought I, was, I, I got it from my boys enough, but then my Aunt Sherry, she let me have it. And she, she hasn't made me cookies to this day. Um, so you can pray for me. Um, I really miss my Aunt Sherry's cookies. Anyways, but this is, uh, I don't think it's an accident that this story fell on my heart when I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about tonight. Because what my Aunt Sherry said to me after I didn't share these cookies with her, or with my boys, was, you know, I made these cookies for you, but they weren't just for you. I made them for you to share. I made them for you to share. And I think what's interesting, as we think about the gospel, right, we think about the good news of Jesus, sometimes we are really, really good about thinking about how the gospel was for me. Like, we think about the glorious day, right? We think about that. That was our story, and uh, we testify to that, and we praise God. We come to church every Sunday morning, and we praise him for his good work on the cross. Um, But I think oftentimes we treat the gospel a lot like how I treated my Aunt Sherry's cookies. See, just like my Aunt Sherry's cookies were for me to share, the good news of the gospel was for you to share. And so often I feel as if um, we lean really, really far towards the for me aspect of the gospel, and we kind of throw away the to share aspect of the gospel. And when I say to share, I think about the word evangelism. And so you have this aspect for me, it's a personal aspect, right? And that's really easy, well, it's not always easy to be reminded of that, but it's easier than going out and sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus with a lost and broken world, with people that you might not like, right? But we lean so far over to this side that we forget, uh, or we actually maybe like don't even realize how important this aspect of the gospel is. And so what I want to do tonight is we have these high five cards, and we're going to be encouraging um, you to fill those out, put five names on there that, of people that don't know Jesus that you're going to be praying for, that you're going to be actively sharing the gospel with. I think that um, we need to refocus. We need to uh, realign our hearts um, to what the, full, the whole gospel is. See, the gospel wasn't just for you. It was for you to share. And there's a man in the, in the, in the Bible um, who I feel as if um, had a firm um, grasp on this. Um, firmly grasp it. Sorry, never mind. Um, he had a firm grasp on this. His name was Paul. You might have heard of him. You ever heard of Paul? That's good. I'm really glad somebody did. I'm not alone. There's a man in the Bible whose name is Paul. I think that uh, there's a passage in Scripture that the Lord kind of um, brought me to as I was studying that I think really highlights and brings to light what the whole gospel is all about. And so uh, we're going to look at this passage tonight, and what I pray happens, what I pray the Spirit of God will do is um, he'll maybe show us some things, some wrong ways of thinking that we have about what the gospel is. Maybe he'll help us realign our, our focus on what the gospel is for, because it's not just for you, it's for you to share. And so if you have your Bibles, you can feel free to turn there. I think it's going to be on the screen. Um, But we're going to be in Acts chapter 26, um, verses 12. Um, We're going to start in verse 12. You guys with me? Man, nobody's ever with me, man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just to give you a little bit of context here, we're in chapter 26. And so Paul is, uh, before you'll see there, probably in your whatever the little thingy there says, it says, Paul's defense before Agrippa. 
Um, so to give you some context, Paul, you may know that he had, uh, he might have been, well, he was arguably, or not even arguably, the worst persecutor of the Christians. He was all about, like, destroying the Christian faith, killing Christians. Um, and then what happens? He has this, literally this miraculous encounter with God, right? Literally, Jesus just shows up and just, boom, you're following me now. He has this miraculous encounter with Jesus. He gets kicked off his horse. He's going to recount this in this story. Uh, but he has this encounter with God, and uh, it totally changes the trajectory of his life. And so now, Paul, we come to chapter 26. He's been on all these missionary journeys. He's been proclaiming the name of Jesus, proclaiming in the synagogues and the cities that Jesus is the Son of God, proclaiming um, the good news of what Jesus had accomplished and, uh, on the cross so that not only Jews could believe, but also Gentiles. Um, and so he's been doing this, and he's been wrongfully accused by the Jewish people. The Jewish people are just like, Paul, um, you're wrong. He was accused of, like, being against the law. He was accused of being against the temple, like, their way of worship, um, essentially being uh, against their Jewish beliefs, their way of worship. And so uh, they brought all these accusations against him, and he knows that he's wrongfully accused. Uh, and now he's come before Caesar, it's probably more context than you need. But anyways, he's come before Caesar, and he wants to plead his case as a Roman citizen. Caesar doesn't know what to do. Luckily, King Agrippa happened to be in town, uh, and he's just like, Caesar, why don't you have Paul come before me and make his case before me? And so that's where we pick up in chapter 26. Paul is defending himself. He's defending the faith. He's defending the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up in chapter 26, verse 12. I'm going to read this. Read this with me. Um, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. And so Paul is defending, or he's actually recounting his story uh, of, of conversion. And so he was actually on his way to Damascus, you may know this, to, like, to kill Christians. So, um, so yeah, he was on his way to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests to go and do these things, right? And at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is Jesus. It is, it, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. And Paul said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. And so we uh, have come here, we're emphasizing evangelism, we're talking about Jesus. So the question then becomes, why did Jesus appear to Paul? Why did he appear to you? What was the purpose for him appearing to us? Um, and I, I'd like to argue to you that it wasn't solely for the redemption of your soul. Like, praise God, yes, yes, he appeared to you, he brought the gift of salvation to you to redeem you, to reconcile you, to bring you back into the fold of God. But the purpose of God was not solely to redeem your soul. The purpose of Jesus revealing himself to us is found here. What's it say? But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant, and this is the key, and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are reconciled or those who are sanctified, sorry, by faith in me. 
I'm going to read that again. The purpose was to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified in faith. Did you catch what the purpose of Jesus revealing himself was? Was it just for me? Whoa. Jesus declares or even shares with us in this passage that this, this message of the gospel, his appearing to us, was not solely for us. He actually um, appeared to us to put us on mission. And so think about this. We, we talk about the gospel, right, and how it's like a gift. Like it's a gift. It's wrapped up. And I was thinking about this. I was like, what would happen if, like, we got this gift of salvation? What would we find inside? If we got this gift of salvation, what would happen if we opened it up? What would be in there? What I would say is that it's not exactly what you think. I would say that it's full of mission and purpose. Because if Jesus' purpose was not solely for me to be redeemed, it was actually so that we could be sent to a broken and lost contrite world and to bring the message of the gospel to a, a broken and sinful world so that they could have an opportunity to turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith. It's more than just for me. But praise God, what a glorious invitation we have not only to be redeemed by Jesus but to invite others into this redemption with us. Right? It's more than just for me. The gospel obviously should affect in every way our lives. should affect where we go, what we do, um, how, how we speak, what we say to people. And it should affect um, who we see. So if that's the truth, then um, what I think I want us to kind of just think about tonight is this. And so I, we said this before, for me um, to share I think what I want us to kind of think about, because I think this is what kind of hinders us from being evangelistic, is that we lean too far over to this for me aspect of the gospel. The question is, is like, how do I identify whether or not I'm doing that? Like, if I'm a, if I'm a believer, if you're a believer in this room and you believe in Jesus and you've been doing this Christian thing for a while um, and you're hearing my words and you're like, yeah, you know, maybe I am somebody who's leaning more towards this and I'm not very evangelistic, but you just don't know how to identify it. I have a few identifiers, and this is in no way exhaustive because there's literally two. But these are things that I've just seen in my life, and maybe you can relate with me. So the question what then becomes, if we're going to be gospel-oriented people who are all about the whole gospel, not just for me, but to share, if we're going to be evangelistic, if we're going to ask God to intercede in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, um, I think there needs to be a realignment. So what what are those identifiers? Here's one. We become comfortable. We get really comfortable. But not only this, this is something that I'm noticing in my own life, and maybe you can relate. I think that when we get um, too far over to the for me aspect of the gospel, we get really comfortable with seeing the same people in church every Sunday and the same people outside of church every Sunday. What do I mean by that? We show up to church on Sunday, and I'm so comfortable. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, I see the ranks. I see my boy AJ. I see the Zablotnies. I see Nate Southwick and Ben. I see the same guys. 
But it's so odd to me that I can leave this place and feel so fine with not have met, not have being able to met, meet, sorry, a new person. We become comfortable with seeing the same people in church and outside of church rather than expectant and excited about seeing new people, about meeting new people, and even inviting new people to church. Do you feel that? So uh, there's an identifier right there. We become too comfortable with seeing the same people in church and outside of church. Are you too comfortable seeing the same people? When you come to church on Sunday morning, are you expectant to see new people at church? Are you expectant to meet new people? Are you expectant to invite new people? Are you doing that? I'd argue that if we're not expectant and excited about these things, then we're leaning too far over here and we've just thrown this aspect of evangelism away. We need to pick this up. The last one. We, we begin or we develop a false sense of entitlement in church. We have this mentality that when we go to church, the church actually owes me something. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I do this sometimes. We have a mentality that, you know, this is my church. You know, I've been, I'm a Christian and I've been going to this church for my whole life. And so this is my church. This is where I worship. And so when I come to church, I'm going to be expecting of the things that have always been here. I'm going to be expecting, I'm going to see the things that I've always seen. This is my church. This church owes me something. And what happens when we have that mentality? This mentality leads to anger and frustration and even sadness about things we don't have actual control over because this isn't our church. It's not my church. It's not Dr. Miller's church. It's God's church. And so when we find ourselves way over here with the for me aspect of the gospel, we get too comfortable with seeing the same people. And we begin to to develop a sense of, a false sense of entitlement. And what I want to encourage us with tonight What I want to challenge you with is to ask the Lord, search my heart, God. We want to see this church full. Look around. There are so many seats empty. I challenge you on a Sunday morning, look around. Who's not here? Who should be here? If we want to be a people who truly want to see this place full of people, We want to see the gospel of God penetrate and and infiltrate our villages, our city, our schools, our workplaces, our families. We need to come over here and pick up this idea of evangelism because it's not going to grow unless we do it. It's not Nate's job. It's not Dr. Miller's job. It's not my job. We got to come over here and pick up the responsibility Because Jesus didn't just show himself to you for you to sit over here. Jesus didn't give you the gift of salvation for you to hold on for yourself. Open it up and find there's mission and there's purpose in there. There's purpose for you. You have to go out and be the light of the world. You need to bring the kingdom of God to the broken and sinful world. It's not going to happen if you don't do it. And so we're going to go into a time of prayer and we're going to think about these things. We're going to 
ask God to intercede on our behalf in all these places, but I think that we really need to ask the Lord to search our own hearts. We need to ask God and say, God, where, where am I, like, too far over here? Am I getting too comfortable, Lord? Am I showing up to church or am I going out throughout my days um, comfortable with seeing the same people? Am I seeing people with your eyes? God, am I, in my own walk, am I, begun, am I developing a false sense of entitlement? God, far be it from me to think that this is my church. Far be it from me to think that what's happening at this church, the success, the growth of this church is, is a result of my feeble attempts. Far be it from me. Lord, search my heart. So I'm going to invite us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. I think God has been on the move in, in our midst. I think he's been on the move here in this city. I think he's been on the move here in this church. I think he's doing stuff. I think the Spirit of God is stirring here. He's doing something. And I think, I honestly say this with full confidence, that we're on the verge of something like astronomical, something we never even thought could even happen. I think God has such big plans for this church, for the church as a whole, but right here at the gathering place. I think God has big plans for this church. And when I say the church, I say God has big plans to use you. You know why? Because I know that he's revealed himself to you. He's given you the gift of salvation. And inside is just full of mission and purpose. He has revealed himself to you so that you can be a witness to the things that you have seen. And he is sending us to a broken and sinful world so that they could have the opportunity, right, to, to turn from darkness to light, from the, literally the power of Satan to God. That's a reality. There are people walking around outside right now who are at home drinking coffee or hot cocoa, whatever, who do not know the message of hope that we have. They're not here, but they can be. They can be here with us. Jesus has a desire that all may come to repentance. The gospel of Jesus was not just for me for me to share. So take this time, Lord, to just ask the Lord, search my heart. Maybe as I've been talking and um, we've been going throughout this night, the Lord is putting names on your heart to put on this card. Maybe there's a family member or a co-worker that he uh, has just been laying on your heart. But what's it going to take for you to come over here and pick up this idea, this aspect of the gospel of to share evangelism so that when we fill out these cards and we put these names on the cards, we're actually doing it. Take some time. Reflect. And ask the Lord to really search your heart.
Lord, I recognize that we fall short every single day. That when you revealed yourself to us and brought the gift of salvation to our hearts, Lord, I recognize that you did that knowing that uh, we would fall short again. God, your word tells us that while we were still sinning, you died for us. You didn't wait for us to have it all together. You didn't wait till we had all our ducks in a row. You actually came into this world, into our brokenness, into our sinfulness, and you did something to redeem us and to reconcile us back to yourself. And God, I recognize that you did not only do that for me, you did that for others. And Lord, I know that your spirit has been speaking here tonight, that you've been doing a work. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. God, I pray for those who um, have been walking with you, who have been faithful um, to call you their father for so many years, or even just for several months, whatever it is, God. I pray for them. I pray that you would um, reveal in their hearts Um, places where they have been getting too comfortable. God, I pray that you would reveal in their hearts places where where they have begun to develop a false sense of entitlement, thinking that um, that this church or that church in general owes them something, that when they show up to church, it's all for me, it's all about me. Lord, I pray that for myself. Lord, reveal these things in my heart. God, won't you just take away these false senses of entitlement? God, I pray that you would help us when we show up to church on Sunday night or Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whatever it may be, God. I pray that you would give us eyes to see the hurting and the broken, God. That you would make us actually uncomfortable until we went and introduced ourselves to a new person. God, I pray that you would actually make us uncomfortable until we went and and introduced ourselves to that person over at the store. Or you would actually make us uncomfortable until we actually invited that family member or that coworker to church or to encounter or to our small group, whatever it may be, God. I pray that you would actually make us physically uncomfortable until we actually go and in, in obedience live out the gospel evangelize. God, I know that you have such a strong plan for the gathering place. God, I know that you have such a desire to see these seats full, to see this church busting at the seams with people growing in you, finding redemption in you. But God, it starts right here. So God, give us a heart for your children. God, give us eyes to see the hurting. Give us eyes to see the broken. And give us courage and give us boldness to go towards those people. To bring your kingdom to them. To bring this gift of salvation to them.